0: I uh, I get the great pleasure each week of being able to I get the pleasure each week of being able to look out at you and just see the kind of living what I call the living expression of you. Of course each person here is so multifaceted and rich and multi talented, creative, uh, always changing uh, manifestations of life. But as I look out at you, I always think of, often think of, the, I think it was Emerson who said, who you are, now it's too loud, sorry. (laughs) Who you are, shout so loudly, I can't hear what you say. And, of course, this points to the fact that what you say about yourself, externally or internally, Mostly, what you say about yourself internally could never capture what and who you are. Your depth, your consciousness, your heart, your um, your the miracle of of you as a as a sentient being, as somebody who draws breath, that's amazing in itself. And our practice, at least to me, is an opportunity to to touch into that immediate felt Experience of ourselves the immediate sense of ourselves that is momentarily free of our usual preoccupations and why is that why can't we do that anytime anywhere we can but sometimes it's helpful to have somebody remind you to connect with what's here Connect with what's real. Connect with your heart, your chest rising and falling, your belly, your your body breathing, to connect with your senses, sights, sounds, smells, tastes. Where somebody is reminding you, or and the support of others are reminding you that what you are what you are on what a teacher named Douglas Harding says on present evidence is so so different than the version of you that's often playing in your in your thinking mind the version that's playing in our thinking mind is often under some distress. It's doing a, a dance, a very human dance of defending, protecting, building up, attacking, making sure that, there, that survival is assured that, I, that somehow I'm going to be okay. But the way that that, what can sometimes be a maniacal thinking mind, the way it operates is under the view that unless I keep this going, this strategizing, this planning, this remembering, this defending, this attacking, this survival mechanism, unless I keep this going, I won't exist. unless I keep that story going about who I am, I don't exist, or I'll, I'll vanish. And with the support of each other, we we stop, and we realize that not only are we thinking machines. The, just motoring in our, in our thoughts that, the, that we also are, in the most simple sense, we're conscious. We are conscious or aware before we think. Prior to thought, we are aware. And when we have some semblance of awareness. Some sense of... I'm aware. I'm here. (laughs) When we have some semblance of awareness... and start to be aware of... the thinking mind... as well as our body... as something to be aware of. In other words relating to our thinking mind instead of from our thinking mind. Once we begin that process, we begin the process of awakening, of liberation, of liberation from believing, bless you, believing, identifying with Become absor- becoming absorbed with believing this thinking mind as the ultimate you could say definer of who or what I am. As I know I repeat this quite often but I, I often think of the very short and simple passage from the teacher, Anagarika Munindra, who is no longer alive, who is one of my teachers. He very casually said in one of his this long, spontaneous discourses, whenever you would ask him a simple question, about 30 minutes later, you'd still be listening to him share the, share the dharma. But he just said casually, a thought of your mother is not your mother. And it seems so obvious when you hear it, but we don't live that way within ourselves with that full understanding that a thought of ourselves, a thought of yourself is not yourself. It's a thought it's an approximation, it's a it's a description, it's an object of mind it is not you, it is not yours even it is a an unbidden unasked for spontaneous appearance in consciousness in awareness, a thought, has no roots It has no home. As the metaphor that's sometimes used, it's like a footprint of a bird in emptiness. Empty. Insubstantial. Could never, ever, in a million years, capture the profundity of you, the richness of you, the texture of you, the aliveness of you. It is always, of the past, based mostly on on history. And it's also a beautiful thing, the thinking mind, as a survival tool, as a way of orienting ourselves in space, as a way of being able to communicate something about our history and our past, it's a beautiful thing. As a way of being able to advocate for ourselves, it's beautiful to be able to consider what it is that needs to be said and how to say it and how to say it in a way that won't cause harm. So the thinking mind is very useful. But it is most useful and most creative. In fact, the only way that it's useful and creative is it if it is mixed with, if it's matched with awareness. If it just operates on its own accord without that without that interrupting or accompanying support of being aware, it just runs absolutely crazy. It is maniacal and it is usually, it will generate a kind of disembodied state of tension and unsatisfactoriness and will paint a picture of life being a fearful mess. And life really is not any of that. In real time. Sometimes there's fear in real time. Sometimes there's ease the same person that one moment is fearful could be easy and relaxed the next. But the narrative that plays through our mind is saying, I am this. I'm anxious. The world is anxious. And it's continually projecting a, a situation that, where there's something wrong. And usually the situation in our thinking mind unfettered by awareness, unsupported by awareness, it's usually sowing some view of reality that there's something wrong with me. Often, I know many people who basically their internal narrative is saying, and it's maybe innocent from historical events, past events, the voice says, I am unacceptable. I'm unworthy. I am I am too much. I'm too much for other people. I am not what's our usual what's our top tune? I'm not smart enough. I'm not productive enough. I'm not busy enough. I'm not rested enough. I'm not healthy enough. I'm not skinny enough. What I'm not beautiful enough I'm, whatever it is it is a is a, a distorted perception of reality and what is actually just a thought is taken to be absolute so it's such a beautiful gift to yourself and others to step out of that stream of distress To begin, not just begin, but embrace that process of liberation, of recognizing instead of the thought, instead of relating from our thoughts, to be able to relate to our thoughts as just the amazing, wondrous, but completely, not completely, but often distorted version of reality that plays as thoughts through our mind. The thoughts that play through our mind, the Buddha called most of the self-thoughts because the, the, the sense of our self is, is very... There's, the imagined me is the central character in the thinking mind. Remember a thought of yourself is not yourself but that character in your thoughts is uh, it seems really real. Seems like it's really you. But the Buddha in his his just from having embraced and taken on the support Of what was always already available to him, this what's sometimes called wakefulness, clarity, awareness, mindfulness. He made a shift from believing those thoughts to noticing that is just a view. He called it Sakaya Ditti view of self, self view. And as a view, it's not, it is real in that it appears, but it's unreal in that it's just an empty bubble thought and can never, ever capture you. The effect of living in the imaginary version of ourselves, day in and day out, without the support of that stillness and silence of awareness, of attention, just always still and always silent, sitting beside you, the best friend once you adopt that as a support, the best friend you will ever have, as Derek Walcott says, "The, the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. He says, "Don't stop believing, the, take the love letters off the bookshelf, the desperate notes, peel your own image from the mirror. The Dharma would say, look at that as an image on the mirror. That's, that image is not you. Sit, feast on your life, he says in the poem. Which means, accompany your experience with full awareness of your life. because once we, if we don't have the support of awareness we incarnate in our thoughts we sleepwalk, we dream dream through our life and the, the one we imagine that we are the one that we are is just conscious, awake enough, whole doesn't need improvement. No evidence for anything wrong with you. The one that plays through our mind is flawed. A mess. Needs this, needs that. Needs something, needs time to get better. This ever-present, available awareness needs no time, already complete, always home, not waiting or postponing anything to be happy, not setting up life to say, I can't be happy until I finish my project, till I get married, till I fulfill all life's expectations that the ease and peace that I expect to feel in my imaginary self at the end of the rainbow I recognize as the natural state of my own mind right now. Whole. Ah. I don't have to wait to exhale. I don't have to hold my body hostage to the future that never arrives. I can be free now. And I don't, so it's just such a blessing to make that liberating shift from being just carried along by our thoughts to noticing them. That's why we, in meditation practice, to try to stop your thoughts is ridiculous that gives them a lot more power than they really deserve. We say in the teachings that we have six senses. We have the five physical senses, the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the body. We have a mental sense that includes thoughts and feelings, images, And we, instead of fighting with our sense experience, we notice it. We make that shift from being lost in it to noticing it. And isn't it amazing? Tibetans have that word, emaho, how amazing that this thought machine just thinks. As long as you're lost in thoughts, you don't really notice that you're thinking you just take it to be real so again it's a tremendous support to 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 accompany the thinking mind and all the other sense experiences with attention with kind attention with i want to say because I've been thinking lately about the word mindfulness, the big mindfulness explosion in this world. That uh, word mindfulness. I don't know if I talked about this last week, but mindfulness was just a translation from the English, the English dictionary, to the word sati. Sati is... Word in Pali, which is kind of close to the, close to Sanskrit, close to the language that the Buddha actually spoke. In Pali, the word "sati" means a best translation that I've heard is a state of being lucidly aware, but it doesn't necessarily relate to. Th- It's not necessarily mindfulness. It's not located somewhere. It could just as easily be heartfulness, full, a state of being fully sensitive to the senses. It could be bodyfulness. But we use mindfulness. And when we use mindfulness, we treat it like it's some kind of remote viewer. (laughs) It's really just the ever-present consciousness through which you're perceiving, and then having it focused enough on the experiences that we have that we can so to the extent that we can comprehend what's happening. So it's both this quality of sensitivity, awareness, of intelligence, and it's intrinsic, it's primordial it's natural to you and it's very free it doesn't cost anything and it doesn't have to be it, didn't, it only has to be remembered and exploited utilized and once that becomes the friend as Hafez would put it then it renders the thinking mind just another very interesting expression of our humanity. And even the thoughts that we have, they start to make much more sense in the context of our our histories. How each individual has so many different thoughts based on your cultural heritage, based on your gender, based on your race, based on all the myriad differences that we have, and we start to see the the, the beautiful matrix of our of the thinking mind and the beauty of being able to see how the thinking mind is formed by by all the non-personal conditions of our life. How the expressions that I use were ones that were heard in my home or in my hometown. I've been doing this um, sporting activity on rare occasions, and this fellow that I've been doing my sports with is from South Dakota, and I'm from Nebraska. And he hears me say things. He says, that's really Midwest. That's really Nebraska. And uh, it's so embedded in in the makeup of my mind-body process I I didn't even think about it. It just just comes through. To be able to relate to that, to see that as the just the way the, the mind works, so much different than taking the, all those thoughts that float through my mind as the absolute reality. So all this is to say, it is essential, and I know you wouldn't be here if you didn't know in some way, it's essential to make that that um, shift from misidentifying with our thoughts to noticing our thoughts, to becoming interested in the thinking mind rather than simply believing the thinking mind. So please, in your practice, don't try to stop your thoughts. If you try to stop your thoughts, as Suzuki Roshi said, it means you're bothered by them. And as long as you're bothered by them, they will torment you mercilessly. On the other hand, if you can relate to your thoughts and not bothered by them, but experience them as the flavors of pleasant thoughts and unpleasant thoughts, painful thoughts and pleasurable thoughts, if you can relate to your thoughts and not be bothered by them, They will quiet of themselves. They are ephemeral. They are empty. And what remains as an ongoing support, what is more you than your thoughts, is this ever-present wakefulness and clarity, this intrinsic, silent, still, aware presence. Not something to think about, something... To be lucidly aware. Forget the word lucid. Even forget the word aware. Forget the word silence. Forget the word mind. And stay that way. Your natural state. Now remove the word state. I have, I'm feeling this little needling in my mind to, um, since I mentioned the, the friend and Hafez of sharing the, the poet, poetry from him where he says I know that the voice of depression still sends its invitation and the thoughts that can ruin your life keep visiting but you are with the friend now and you look so much brighter. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. You can stay that way and even bloom. Keep squeezing drops of the sun from your good company, from your presence here, your enlightened friends. Keep squeezing drops of the sun. It says Learn to recognize the counterfeit coins that may buy you just a moment of pleasure, but then drag you for days like a broken man behind a farting camel. You're with the friend now. You can stay that way and even bloom. He, he continues to say he continues in the poem to highlight the importance of staying connected to this holy body to keep our mind in our body our attention in our body and our body our atten- our body in our attention because it helps to to Awaken this, support this awareness by anchoring it in what's always present, which is this body. And it gives us a more gross handle for our attention, something we can feel. at At first the thoughts are just too slippery to notice much of the time. And we keep stabilizing, keeping our mind and our body, and our body and our mind, until we can, we can uh, be able to relate to our thoughts in the same way that we do to sensations and sounds, feelings. So your homework, <laughs> your homework is the friend of awareness, support of awareness, embodied. Breathing in your belly, coming out of the tangle of fear, thinking, living as much as you can get used to a feeling of silence and stillness, infusing even the busiest day with that moment where you just bring a simple silent attention to what you're doing, the step you're taking as you walk down the hallway this little turn of the faucet, the first bite of a meal or drink. I don't mean alcohol, but even if it is alcohol, just be lucidly aware as much as you can. What else is there? You don't want to miss your life. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for your practice and may may our practice be of some benefit to ourselves and each other and to all beings everywhere because your silence will will transmit to every single person who you are with and what a gift so thank you Thank you for listening